Yeah, in fact, that rabbi let me see again. Mm-hmm. That was, to me, an echo of any time that I'm in that flat state that I've, that I've, I've not exercised mm. the daily gift I have, the daily grace I have in Jesus. And when I finally realized that I, it's that's what I feel. Rabbi, let me see again. Let me yeah. see. Take, remove the ve- the dullness, the veil of dullness yeah. that has fallen over my face, and let me see it again. That's Man. that's what that feels like. Because you you have no problem crying out, "Son of David, have mercy on me." Mm-hmm. But then he's like, "Okay, Casey, what does that look like today? What what is my mercy? How does that?" play out today for you and you're like i just want to see you mm-hmm. i want to see you and it's like bam all right your faith has made you like yeah. you can yes see me what now you yeah. Yeah, that's it. when you think about the profound influence of the bible on the world the way that it has shaped our culture whether you're a follower of christ or not it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Welcome, Casey Noble. How are you? I'm well. It's so great to see you. Yes, to see you and to be with you. We are not in the same region, but we get to share the same space for a little bit. It is such a treat. Uh, miss you guys, miss you and your family, but glad that we have this opportunity to hang out and take and read the, the, the word of the Lord. Yeah. So, uh, since I haven't seen you for a little while, uh, catch us up. What's been going on. I've been in Montana and the temperatures are getting colder. Uh-huh. Uh, the days are getting shorter, but there in Texas, things don't cool down or shorten mm. very much. Do they? There's no short. Well, my patience shortens. As I start to get toward the end of October, and it's still 97, but uh, yeah, so we we don't have any. Uh, we're not experiencing the coolness of fall yet, or anything like that. But we're used to that by now. So yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah, we we miss your family dearly here. Uh-huh. But um, things are things are trucking along. Okay, we before we jumped onto the podcast, you and I were chatting, and you were you were kind of referencing this season of life in particular and the way that the Lord has been leading you through this, you and your family. Um, tell me a little bit more about how that works. How, how does, when you're going through a season like this, um, and to whatever extent you want to describe that season, but how does the Lord lead you in this? Like, what does it mm. actually look and feel like? That's a great question. So I'm going to preface all of this by saying that, um, I, I can I can ex- say and feel things pretty deeply, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it might sound a little of over the top. Uh, so we are in a very busy phase of life, like a lot of people. You know, just mm-hmm. busyness kicks in. And my husband is uh, he works, but he's also assumed some heavy volunteer roles that are like three other jobs, and so we are moving in a lot of directions. I have kids and doing well, you know, just all those things that everybody's experiencing. And, but what ends in that, and I've also taken on a new role in our church that's a little bit more active. What that ends with is 
days that just kind of you wake up, Groundhog Day, the alarm goes off, you do the same thing, you plod through the day, it's always busy. And then suddenly, the way I described it, is my soul starts to feel flat. Hmm. It starts to feel just no dimension, no depth, and I just start to walk. It's just like Groundhog Day. It's a, hmm. it's a drudgery of every day. And the Lord, that's the Lord's signal to me that because I've been busy, I haven't been being with Jesus. And my depth and my dimension and my soul comes from my time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And another, one th- another thing that happens is when I don't go toward Jesus, I'll go toward other things to find that depth and dimension in my soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that are quick fixes, vacations, uh, eating mm-hmm. out, good food, you know, those things that I'll go toward those things and it just gives you a little spike and then your soul falls flat again. So, Do you think that that, that flattened soul is could also be understood as a kind of a, an absence of joy that there's just a, there's not a joy that, that is present because of all, you know, the, the pace, the circumstances, the pressure, whatever it is. And those, the seeking the joy in yummy food, seeking Mm -hmm. joy in uh, a vacation or a time away rather than seeking joy in the Lord. Is it related to that at all? Yes. And I would take it one step further. It's lack of, it's lack of beauty. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So like the, the, I experience, you know, beauty is when reason and aesthetic match up perfectly, right? Mm -hmm. It's when math Mm -hmm. and, and beauty, they, when they come together, Uh, I I heard the other day and I've been really, really dwelling on it, that the opposite of aesthetic, of course, that word aesthetic means beautifully pleasing in every way. Mm. The opposite of aesthetic is anesthetic. And when you think of anesthetic, what do you think of? I'm thinking hand sanitizer. <laughs> I think of like uh, being anesthetized and oh, just okay. yeah, being yeah, yeah. numb, just being numb. Yeah. So when I don't spend that time in true beauty, which is Jesus, I'm numb. I'm just, yeah. I'm just numb. To, yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's how I consider that. Is And so how does, this, how... How does your relationship with the Lord work in those seasons? Like, does he draw you out? Does he, is it his spirit, the the Holy Spirit in you that kind of alerts you to this reality and it's up to you to kind of press into the Lord? Like, what's the, when you've, when you've seen you yourself in a healthy way respond to that awareness, what does it look like? In a healthy way, it looks like I recognize that anesthetized state, that state mm-hmm. of numbness, of lack of joy. And I realize the only place I'm going to find it is in spending time with the Lord. And mm-hmm. that's usually in His Word. In quiet, silence, stillness, and solitude are a big, mm-hmm. big place that I have to go to. And a lot of times His His world, His nature, just being out away from people, it's built to me healthfully. That means very faithfully building in Sabbath every week mm. and just as hard as it, as hard as it is to build in Sabbath, I have to stop and say, no, that no, today's right. no. Right. That's health. Unhealth is what we talked about before. I push yeah. into a whole bunch of other things until I'm even worse than I off than I was before. 
And then finally the Lord draws me back. Remember, remember where, remember where mm. the, the fix for this is. And I would say it's not that those other things are, are bad, but if we're seeking in them the ultimate, they're never going to satisfy. And so we're going to continue to search and wonder and feel that flatness or that mm-hmm. lack of beauty. But when we, when we press into the Lord and we kind of, kind of hit reset or we recalibrate where he is our, our joy, those other things like food and vacation become even more vibrant and rich. And those become means through which he does and he continues to revitalize. So that's interesting. That's so true. That's interesting, man. Thank you for being vulnerable. I appreciate your honesty on that. Um, Okay, well, we are we're jumping in. This is episode fifty-one, Casey Noble. We we reached the fifty mark, which we is like a big tipped. deal, uh, and and so now, like, this means we're going to be around for a while. I guess if you get to fifty, it's like, all right, you might actually keep doing this thing, and I see no reason why we wouldn't. And so here it is, episode fifty-one, uh, and I congratulations. Love, by thank the way. you. Yeah, Once and I love to see kind of the network of guests on this podcast grow that as the Lord moved me to a new region of the country, I still get to maintain these cool connections. Uh, and there, I think there's going to be times when our family goes back to Texas to visit friends and family that we'll try to squeeze in some podcast episodes so we get to do some, some more live stuff. So it's not going to always be this virtual experience because – uh, yeah, I think there's something when we're when when you're together in the same room, engaging in the word. There, there's some some power in that. But thanks for for jumping on this cool platform. Yeah, my pleasure, Chick Fil A. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we are going to look at we're in Mark chapter ten. We're actually going to close out the chapter today, and we're going to be looking at verses forty six through 52, which will kind of finish us out. And so I'm going to dive in. We are, I am in the ESV and Casey, what are you in? I'm in the NET. Bam. And another great translation. I've said this a few times, but I'm hanging out in the ESV partially because uh, all my other translations are packed in a box somewhere and I just... Life is rolling, and I haven't unpacked them. So the ESV has been my my steady uh, standby here, and we're going to jump in. Uh, we right. did before we we launched into this, Casey and I. Before we got on the podcast, we did pray, and I think that that's a huge part of this. Uh, what you're going to engage with as we uh, get into the Word today is we uh, we believe that this is the very inspired Word of the Creator of the universe. And that he, in a very specific way, communicated to us through this word. He communicated to the original audience, and he worked through inspiring men to write. And so you're going to see personalities, you're going to see experience, you're going to see turns of phrases that are specific to different individuals in this Bible. However, they are inspired by God so that what is written is exactly what God wants us to understand and have communicated to us. And we believe that. We believe that this is from God. And and so if you're tuning in and you are not a Christian, hey, kudos. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're you're taking and reading because of its this book's profound influence and shaping of, of uh, civilization today. If you are a believer, man, welcome. 
join us as we take and read the scriptures. But we prayed beforehand because this is a spiritual book as well. It is not, uh, it's not a, a purely human book, as I said. And so we need the Spirit's guidance because there are layers upon layers of incredible truth and profound um, understanding into reality. So we want to we want to grasp that, and we need the Spirit's help. So here we are, forty six. And since Casey, you are in a different translation, I think what would be neat is to just recognize times where maybe there's difference between what yeah. I read and what you read. And as we get into kind of that first phase of making sure we understand what it says, that might give us some insight and help in that. Great. All righty, here we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. All right. Some very cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, as As we first start out, recognizing the two different translations it's always helpful for me to see if i can just stand back and retell this is is and understand kind of the who's there what's happening what are the the various elements to this episode in the life and ministry of jesus so what's happening they're they're traveling and they hit jericho and then what uh he's traveling with his disciples and there's a large crowd leaving Jericho. Yeah, so it says they came to Jericho, and as they were leaving Jericho, so they came. It doesn't tell us what happened in Jericho, just that as they're now departing Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, which is interesting. So there's like a whole, we don't know how long he was there. Mm-hmm. We don't know what kind of teaching he did. We know his his general practice was to go into a a synagogue and probably teach and then teach in the streets. But we, we don't, that's not the important part of this. We just know that he went to Jericho and as he was leaving it, we got a great crowd. Kind of who's see, the, yeah, go ahead. We see Bartimaeus. Yep. We see Bartimaeus. On the road. Blind beggar. We understand who he is. He's the son of Timaeus. You know, and I think anytime we, we see in the scriptures very specific references to names, that's just a reminder of the intent of the author to, um, I guess, anchor it to real things in history, because you've got real place, Jericho, you've got real people. And so there's a sense in which when this document comes out, when the, when the gospel of Mark comes out, 
there's a real possibility to track down this. If someone wanted to, they could track down this Bartimaeus guy, son of uh, Timaeus, because there's a very specific reference to a, a an actual individual that lived at that time to ask him about what happened, what took place. So I think that's just a cool deal. So we've got, yeah, Bartimaeus uh, sitting on the roadside begging because he probably had no other way to earn money. And so he was at the at the mercy of whoever would come by and, and offer him things. He hears it's Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, there were a lot of Jesuses at that time. There were, it's a very common Hebrew name, male Hebrew name, but this specifier that it's Jesus of Nazareth. But he doesn't call him Jesus of Nazareth. He cries out and calls him by another name. Son of David. Yes. Son of David, which in the, the imagination and reality of Jewish individuals, son of David, what do we understand that to mean? Oh, it, it is replete with meaning, right? I mean, yeah, there is so it's much dripping. in it. Yes. It, it, so to what do we understand it to mean if I were a man a person of that time, a mm-hmm. Jew of that time, I would I would be understanding that to mean that I am recognizing this person as the Messiah. Yes. So when when we read in like first and second Samuel and the Lord is interacting with David, one of the the covenants Uh, the Davidic covenant that is made with David, that God makes a covenant promise with David that there will never be, like his rule, the Davidic kingdom will, will eventually and always have somebody ruling. And there's reference to one that will eventually come from the line of David that will sit on that throne forever and, and, and reign over the people of God, right? Exercise kingship. So throughout the gospel of Mark, we have seen what he is doing. He is announcing mm-hmm. in the gospel, we go back to uh, Mark chapter one, verse 14. He says that he went out proclaiming the gospel, declaring the kingdom of, his, of God is at hand, repent and believe in the kingdom. So there's this, Jesus has always been about announcing the kingdom referencing the kingdom of God over and over. Then he's performing miracles, demonstrating the power that exists in the kingdom of God, demonstrating his authenticity as the one that's bringing in. So he's, 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 he's giving evidence to this kingdom arriving. And he's also exercising authority over the demonic, over sickness and unhealth bringing people to restored states to say, I have authority over the demonic. I have authority over physical illnesses. I have authority over the brokenness in the world and the ability and the power and the desire to restore. And so he's saying, this is that kingdom. As I exercise in this world, I am, you're experiencing life in the kingdom the Sermon on the Mount, it expresses that this is life in a very upside-down kind of kingdom. It's not like the other kingdoms of the earth, the other way, in ways in which human kings kind of lord it over and end up 
abusing authority and power and not bringing life, but bringing death. And so this is what Jesus has been about. And here you have this blind guy on the side of the road. He's like, what? It's Jesus of Nazareth? Son of David. Like he's saying, King, you're here. You're the guy. Like that's what Son of David references. The guy has come. The you're, anointed you one. You are he. Yeah. And I'm you're amazed th- how I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, that's good. Keep going. I'm I'm amazed how uh how uh sound his theology is for this beggar on the side of the road. Right. Because he recognizes he's the king. He recognizes his need for mercy. Yeah. He basically he recognizes the king, the Lord, and the Savior. All you know, he's his it's in asking for mercy and honoring him as the king and and in honoring him as the Lord. You yes. just see and does that one little have I mean, it makes me think like in just that have mercy on me, Lord, that we see, I think, in Luke. But just that have mercy, how everything can be encapsulated in that. Yeah, because it's one thing to acknowledge or to say, Yeah, I think Jesus is king. But if that's true, the proper response is a recognition of self that I have great need of mercy, that mm-hmm. I'm not king. In fact, I'm extremely broken. And this king that I acknowledge has every right to do away with me, to completely punish me. And so the first thing I, I should do is throw myself at his mercy and say, please have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. Man, that's more good. Than, more than sight. I need mercy. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and then it's interesting that Many rebuked him. It doesn't specifically say whether it's the disciples. It just says many. So we don't know who that includes. But out of this great crowd, they're trying to just get this guy to be quiet. Like, stop it. Hey, would you? I don't have time for this. You're making a scene. But he's like, no, 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 no. He cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stops because, I mean, just think about like how we've we've read in this gospel how long and repetitive it was for the disciples themselves to understand who they were with, like who Jesus actually was until until Mark chapter eight, when he asks them and directly asks Peter and Peter's like, you're the Christ, you're the son of God, you're you're him. But here's this guy, this is probably his only encounter with him. And he's like, I have no issue right away recognizing this. So you think about spiritual sight versus physical sight of this blind man. Here the disciples, especially the apostles, have gotten to watch with their physical sight over and over and over again. Jesus demonstrate his kingship by exercising authority. And here's this guy, initial, doesn't even doesn't even witness a miracle. He just hears that the guy is coming, that this is him. I've just heard it. And he immediately identifies who he's with. That is just so cool. Uh, uh, Chad, when you when you hear that, I know this is outside of the text, but yeah. asking from your pastoral expertise, when you hear that, do you immediately consider the implication of the Holy Spirit in that blind beggar's life? Or since we're like kind of pre- how does that work out? Because we're pre-Acts when yeah. some people believe that. How does that look like to you? Or is that too much of a question? Um, I mean, there had to have been something that 
that gave him understanding into this. And so whether it was, here's a guy who maybe kind of took in the stories of the scriptures from childhood as he's blind and uh, listening to his parents or somebody teaching him the scriptures. And so in, in the way that in his situation, I mean, this is obviously speculation, there's no indication that it's the Spirit of God that has given him this sight. But there are instances when the Spirit of God is present th- prior to the book of Acts. And so there are moments when there is this kind of presence of God's Spirit. Um, and so it's not saying that it's only regarded to Acts when the Spirit arrives. Um, we're just told that it, by Jesus that there's a very specific, I'm sending you a helper that will be with you always mm-hmm. and so yeah uh we don't we don't have indication uh it just could have been the circumstances of his upbringing that yeah. that all the things that he had heard um you know culminated when he then experiences the presence of christ in that moment he's like this is him i've heard mm-hmm. i've been wanting to meet this guy i've heard of all the things that he's been doing his reputation precedes him this is this is the son of David. There's no doubt. Like we don't know what what helps him. We don't know how, but we just know. I love to read God's word and ask those questions that come between the lines to kind yeah. of open up. You know, okay. And I think it's helpful to to kind of be careful that we don't presume upon. Oh, it must have been the Holy Spirit that gave him insight. Uh-huh. It doesn't say that, and so we have to be careful with all of our speculations. Like I was just speculating. Well, could it could it have been that he is just heard the things and now associated these things with the prophecy and the scriptures. It doesn't say that either. So I don't know. Um, Yeah. uh, And that's not something that we're supposed to know. We're not supposed to focus on that, I guess, because it's not here. Okay. Um, I tangented. I'm sorry. No, that's good. But I think that's appropriate to wrestle with these questions. Like, how did he know? He clearly had, he had concluded the right thing. How did he get to that spot? How did that understanding arrive for him? And we, we don't know. Um, we do know the activity then of the people around him. They're telling him to stop. He doesn't stop. He persists because he knows. He is convinced to the point that he doesn't care what other people try to do to stop him. He cries out all the more, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stops, calls him. And so then they're like, okay, fine, come here, buddy. And Jesus says to him, take heart, get up. Or no, the people said, take heart, get up. He's calling you like, hey, basically calm down, buddy. Okay, fine. He heard you, calm down, get up. Let's go over there. He throws his cloak off, sprang up. I love the word. What does the NET say there? Jumped up. Jumped up. Okay, you just, all of a sudden becomes this spry just bouncy guy. I love it. Um, and goes to Jesus and then has a conversation with Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Mm. Cause he's already cried out twice. Please have mercy yeah. on me. So he's like, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So again, the exercise of faith is, is related to, the healing power of Christ. There's something about when when we exercise faith, Jesus then bestows healing. 
And I think it's important to understand, he says his faith has made him well, but there is an interaction with Jesus that that occurs here. Mm-hmm. Because there's a sense in which he, did he have that faith before he encountered Jesus? Maybe. Because right. like, it almost seems like with Son of David, have mercy on me, that faith is there. There's a, Yeah, that's an expression yeah. of faith, of confidence of who Jesus is, what he's capable of, what, what he's there for. But this interaction with Jesus, this faith coupled with proximity, I think, is something about the healing power of Christ. Hmm. I love um, that faith pro- coupled with proximity. I got to write it down. Um, yeah, there's. Uh, I'm in the process of of getting to preach through Romans eight, and we're we're team teaching it here at our church. And there's this, throughout Romans 8, it's talking about the assurance that we can have of our ability to to conquer the flesh and uh, to live by the Spirit rather than living in the flesh. And he gives them assurance about who they are in Christ, but there's this nearness to God that's always talked about, this proximity to God mm-hmm. that is that is demonstrated by faith, but coupled with faith. It's just really cool. And I'm starting to see it more and more and more. And I think that actually relates to what you were just talking about at the beginning of this podcast, right? That there's a flatness to our faith or our life or our experience, but our proximity to Christ then gives power and beauty and uh, yeah, to this faith life that we have. And proximity today is walking with Jesus, abiding in Him. Yeah. That's, yeah, in fact, that rabbi let me see again. Mm -hmm. That was, to me, an echo of any time that I'm in that flat state that that I've I've not exercised Mm. the daily gift I have, the daily grace I have in Jesus. And when I finally realized that I, it's that's what I feel. Rabbi, let me see again. Let me yeah. see. Take, remove the ve- the dullness, the veil of dullness yeah. that has fallen over my face, and let me see it again. That's Man. that's what that feels like. Because you you have no problem crying out, "Son of David, have mercy on me." Mm-hmm. But then he's like, "Okay, Casey, what does that look like today? What is, what is my mercy? How does that?" play out today for you and you're like i just want to see you mm-hmm. i want to see you and it's like bam all right your faith has made you like yeah. you can yes see me what now you seen? yeah Woo. yeah that's it all right well i mean we jumped right into significance here and so i'm just going to roll with that because yeah. we've got this clear understanding of what's happening here i mean it's a pretty straightforward engagement that jesus has here there's, you know, it brings up or percolates up these questions about, okay, how does faith and healing work? Um, there's some instances here of Son of David. There's a historical kind of layer to this thing. But at the end of the day, here you have somebody who, in his first encounter with Jesus, immediately recognizes who he really is and what Jesus has been trying to proclaim and demonstrate this whole time through. And he's just about to enter Jerusalem. Like this is right before he enters Jerusalem and he's now left Jericho and he has this encounter with somebody who is already 
understood who he is related to what's prophesied, the covenant that God has made with his people, that he is fulfilling promises to his people through this Jesus of Nazareth guy. And it's going to lead right into this, what's called the triumphal entry, where um, they even kind of shout out, you know, the, the coming kingdom of our father, David. So now here we go again, this, this kingship of David is referenced as he enters, but for us to understand these people present, this crowd, this individual, like what's possibly their emotional state? What do they understand from this moment? Or maybe even the recipients of Mark's gospel initially in that first century, what, what are they hearing when this is read aloud to them? When this letter is read aloud to them, yeah, I like you imagine you're, that, yeah, you're in that crowd of recipients, mm-hmm. and this is this is a bound up scroll that arrives to your house church. There's, yeah. you've got twenty families that have been gathering, and hey, we we ended up getting a scroll. We have one of the gospels. This is the gospel of Mark. He it just got here, and they sit down. And they gather in this in this house. Maybe it's up on the roof uh, mm-hmm. because there's not enough space inside, and and someone begins to read this. And they're not going to go section by section, but they're going to have, they're just going to read this over and over. And there's probably people copying it down and, and creating a copy so they can send it on to the next church and they can have their own copy. And so they've, they've got this and they're reading this. What are they, what's, what's, how's this hit them? You got if I kids. were that person, yeah, yeah you're kids. hearing all this. If, I got to tell you this, if I were hearing that though, the very first question I would do, I, I let, you know, like going back to the reading with curiosity, but in, in verse 51, when he says, what do you want me to do for you? I would have to hear that just what 15 verses back, he asked James and John the same question. What do you want me to do for you? Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I would have to, when I'm thinking I'm hearing this story about the Messiah and I'm deciding if I'm going to follow him or not, Mm -hmm. I, I would hear that and go, I wonder why he said that to two people in such short a period of time and why that's been included in this letter. Dude, that's a super great catch, Casey. That is awesome. I what, love his, that connection. Is yours exactly the same there? What do you want me to do for you? Yes. What do you want me to do for you in verse 36? And they said, basically, grant us priority and power. We want to be in your power. right hand. Yeah. And there, in, it's like... And guys. this guy is saying, what do you want me to do? Get, have mercy on me and let me see you, Jesus. Let me see you. I just want to see you. Have mercy. Give me power. Let me see you. Give me, ooh, Such a, I mean, uh, which here's, so, okay, we're going to play this game. So right before that, when they, when James and John request that, it's the, in 32 through 34, it's the Jesus foretelling his death the third time. And it's interesting that every time of the three times that he foretells his death, there is a a a recognition of who he is. He then mm-hmm. says, okay, if you're going to be with me, this is what it looks like. And it's always around suffering and sacrifice, and that that's the, the, the ethic of the kingdom. And then there's always this uh, immediate misstep or failure on the part of the disciples mm-hmm. in light of that. And then there's this this example of somebody who does get it. 
Like who's not a disciple? Who's not a disciple? Who gets it? Who's not a chosen? Yeah, yeah. Which echoes religiosity, right? It echoes yeah. that the activity of religion yep. isn't what brings us near to Jesus. And I'm sure the disciples fought with it just like we do. Yep. I hadn't yeah. noticed that 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 there's always an example. The, uh, a disciple not getting it that follows his proclaiming things. yeah so there's three of those he proclaims his death three times and they don't they're like they either don't get it or they don't want to get it and he's trying to explain here's how it's going to go down it's going to be suffering it's going to be sacrifice and that's what it means to follow me um, so this very life I'm living I'm giving you a pattern this is what your life's going to be like if you follow me and then it's always like they just don't get it and so in this instance mm-hmm. they're like hey Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He's like, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, we want to be the the top dogs. We want to be your right-hand men. He's like, Let you us guys, ride your coattails. Yeah. He's like, you don't get it. I can't even grant that to you, but you still don't get it. And then it's like, but this blind guy gets it. He's sitting on the road outside of Jericho. He gets it. Which, uh, this is a, a giant supposition, but it kind of makes me understand why that's in there with the name of the person. And yet another, we've got a lot of healings that are real similar. It it makes sense that that's in there. Yeah. To right here just before the triumphal entry. entry. Yep. Yep. And it's that, and what specifically he says, um, he doesn't call him the Christ. He calls him the son of David. And then in the triumphal entry, that is, there is phrasing in line with that, that it connects him to the Davidic line uh, as the coming kingdom, that that specific recognition of who he is follows immediately after when they're yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, um, which we'll get into in the next episode. But yeah, some good stuff. You, I love um, how in this verse right here, we see prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. The three specific, like Jesus had to fulfill all those three things in order to be the cosmic saving force of our life, right? He mm-hmm. had to fulfill being a prophet, being a priest, being a king. And we see it all right there. In the, uh, in the in chapter 46, 11? Yeah, oh, 46, 46 through 52, 52 yeah. the beggar... Out. Make it okay. obvious. Make it obvious. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. So when he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I would call that pre, uh, prophet. I mean, I'm king. Excuse me. Okay. Yep. Right. So he's recognizing and, king and mercy and, is yeah yeah mercy is part of kingship. Yep. Okay. And then some day when he calls he calls him again, and then when he says Rabbi, let me see again. I would call that prophet. Yep. What would you say there? Yeah, because he's giving him sight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And I think when he threw off his coat and jumped at him and headed to and walked right at him, that that we see that as priest because we would come to the priest to receive the healing, to receive the presence of the Lord. We would come to him. So just him coming to the priest, throwing off his coat and coming to him. I don't know. Do you think that's a, a stretch? I think it's, I don't think it's explicitly said, but I think all of those, um, roles of christ are on display because just mm-hmm. even the giving time whereas everyone else would would we're trying to get rid of this guy because maybe mm-hmm. he wasn't a priority he wasn't important enough you think of priestly activity is is that kind of taking the time for those who are in great need 
to um, care for them, uh, to love them, but also be an intermediary between them and the yes. Lord. Like that's the priestly activity. And so just the fact that he stops and says, hey, have him come here. He yes. takes the time to to show care and and be this intermediary, right, um, between this man and himself. But yeah, I think all, all are present. I think that's a really cool uh, Please say it there. Identification. If, I were a, if I were a new reader of the Bible and um, I heard what I just said, I might say, I want to know more about that because yeah. it is so important to understand the prophet, priest, and king. Uh, yeah. In, that, and, it's, and how Jesus fulfills each one of those roles for us even today. Yeah, you think that, um, in, in, in brief, you especially see this uh, developed in the Old Testament. There are these three offices that God creates as a way to uh, lead people, and specifically his people, that God at times will utilize a prophet who is somebody who speaks on behalf of God uh, to God's people. So that person acts in between God and the people to speak God's truth and revelation, to talk to the people to guide them, to rebuke them. Then you have this priestly role uh, originating with Aaron, uh, and this is the person that's now going to act on behalf of the people towards God and God towards the people to go as an intermediary to uh, bring about the sacrifice so that people can then stay united with God and engage with God because of their sin. So this way to um, bridge the gap between God and people through sacrifice. Then you have um, then you have the king role, and this is God's person that's going to act between God and the people to lead the people, to administrate the people, and give order, social order, to the people so that they can thrive. And someone who leads them in battle and who organizes armies and fights enemies and helps provide for the people in tough times and things like that. So you have those After three. The king. Yep. Uh, and so you've got that prophet, prophet, priest, king. And so, Casey, how does then Jesus demonstrate as the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, the ultimate king, that all of these were just a foreshadow of the ultimate version of what just would be type. fulfilled in Christ? Yeah. How does he ultimately? Yeah, well, you brought it up. So okay. I'm going to let you land the plane. I I'm going to let you land the plane. Okay. So as a priest, I mean, as the priest, he was the ultimate sacrifice, right? Right. There was yeah. no longer a need for a sacrifice because he provided the ultimate sacrifice. Yep. And it's, But also, as a little side note, I love the fact that a priest had to be 30 in the mm. Old Testament in order to be a priest. And Jesus was 30, 30. when he entered into his ministry. Nice. That, but that's, that was, that's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So we got the priest, we got the prophet. Um, Ultimately, his being a prophet is his uh, God's word. I would say is and is one Hebrews source. one. So Hebrews is a great source to unpack all of these different offices. But in the very beginning of Hebrews one, it says, "Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son." And so the idea that Jesus now is mm. the primary vehicle through which he's going to speak to his people, and now we have this in the Word of God, Jesus' own teaching and Word. Yeah. yeah. And okay. the king, I think, is real obvious. 
Yeah. Yeah. The king, I mean, the, the kingdom is here. Like we learned in the beginning of Mark, the kingdom is here. Yep. And as goes the king, so go the people. Amen. And so we need a good king. We need the best king. We need, king. We need the ultimate king because yeah. our lives are, are in need of a good prophet, good priest, and a good king perfected in Christ. So uh, let's let's circle back around to the significance that you see here. And how does Casey Noble, in light of God's word today, how does it help you kind of leave this podcast and live as a daughter of the king, as a wife, as a mom, as somebody serving in a church? Like, how do you do life based on what you just experienced with the Lord? I will say that this was particularly impactful to me today and timely as well. But um, the, the greatest thing that I see is just a reminder that, especially when comparing it here to our passage before where James and John asked for power. Mm-hmm. So often I think I come to Jesus was asking for some kind of power. Mm-hmm. It may not be power of the kingdom, but I'm, I'm, I'm wanting some kind of power when the truth is that I just need mercy. Mm-hmm. I just need, I need to receive his mercy for today. And, and what that means it for me, I hate uh, platitudes. I hate it when we just sprinkle Christian words. Mm-hmm. So what, what mercy means for me today is to realize that I'm going to head, go headlong into this day and try to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to, and just that very thing is, uh, is sinful to the Lord. Just that very thing is shunning the Lord when I try to walk into this day by myself. So I need, I need his mercy to remind me all day long that I've got to just see him. I mm-hmm. just need to, all the things that I'm going to try to, today in a desire of power or in a desire of doing let's call it a modern day power would be doing the things I want to check off my list the busyness that ensues the work I want to do that's all in the desire of power and what I really need is just his mercy to sit with him and see him mm-hmm. and it's just a reminder that at the end of this day what will make me lay down and sleep well is to know that I sat with Jesus today and I experienced his beauty, and I saw him. Amen. I, I really saw him today. And all the uh, rest of it goes yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I resonate with that. I think um, something that was drawn out of the text today that was really powerful for me, for me is not to just to talk about Jesus, but to, to desire to see Jesus. So I'm not just going to talk about Son of David and and make a big deal about him. I want to also, in addition to that, uh, be somebody who in the quietness and by myself desires to see him and desires that mercy from him and has a, a, an engagement with him directly, not to have just heard about him or talk about him, but to experience him and see him as he is. So good. So good. Wow. Wow. This was a, a rich text. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. If you're uh, tuning into the podcast, um, whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning or you joined us midway, uh, we, yeah, we encourage you to continue to take and read. We've referenced Hebrews. We've referenced other passages. Continue to take and read the scriptures. In them are life. It is the very communication of the one who created you and created all of us. 
and has and has the only way to deal with our brokenness and truly give us that joy that Casey talked about at the beginning that we can get very busy and and very dead set on our own ways and seek joy and seek beauty and all kinds of other things that ultimately won't satisfy. However, when we seek him and we ask, have mercy, let me see you, he allows all those other things that we want to enjoy, he actually allows us to enjoy them all the more um, because we're doing it with him. And I want to encourage you, if you do not have a relationship with the Lord, welcome to this podcast, welcome to the Word of God, and I encourage you to truly seek the Lord and, and give your life over to Him. As you have heard the Word of God today and He is drawing you into Himself, continue to lean into that and respond to that drawing. And I encourage you, if you have never done that, to tell somebody, I want to trust Christ. I want to give Him my whole life. I want to follow Him. I want to be His. I want to see Him. King, you know, Son of David, have mercy on me. Cry that out to Him. And he will give you peace. He will give you peace in that moment. If you want to tell me, email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions for Casey, uh, you can always email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com and I will get her those questions. I encourage you to leave comments, uh, wrestle with this. I encourage everyone to wrestle through this stuff uh, with each other uh, through the comments. Uh, Please like, subscribe. Do the stuff you're supposed to do with, you know, YouTube and iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts and wherever you are engaging with this, because uh, it helps more people find us and helps others to take and read the Word of God. Casey, so much, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thanks for having I just, me. This was a blessing to my day. It really was. It was very encouraging. So everyone out there, go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Blessings.